speculation. Con conveniently but... deletes Kirby Yates from his memory. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. It's, it's definitely easy. Expensive, but easy. <laughs> Expensive, easy. You know, who knows how he feels. But um, Travis Bergen, for what turned out to be, you know, an AL Cy Young winner in, in Robbie Ray, was a was a great trade. And welcome to episode number two hundred and fifty-two of Artificial Turf Wars. We tried to fry an egg on the hot stove, and we got we got nothing. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined. <laughs> For a change of pace, uh, by my good friend, the troublesome Nick Dyke. And Nick, how are you doing? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing good. That's probably not the most surprising change of pace for any uh, any regular listeners. I've I've wandered in here before once or twice. Yes, yes, you are you are a familiar face uh, indeed. And uh, because Josh is far afield, and a couple of things have happened, we thought it pertinent that we gather together and uh, discuss. Um, Alejandro Kirk winning the Silver Slugger Award. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez. The Teoscar Hernandez uh, <laughs> era is over. Uh, traded for pitching. Um, then we have, of course, the Blue Jays adding uh, players, four players to the 40-man before the Rule 5 draft that they may not get snatched away. Um, and non-tendering three other, I mean, not so surprising things. Um, but... The rumors have started again because it's you know it's a fresh new week. We need some fresh new rumors. We have we have Cody Bellinger. We have Brandon Nimmo. I think we should probably talk about that in in respect to the organization's actual needs. And then we have the most gripping part of the podcast when our listeners ask us what we really think, <laughs> and we have we have to we have to answer truthfully. It's just the way it works. Um, Alejandro Kirk, Silver Slugger. Silver Slugger feels always to me like a, like a second tier award, but I don't want to not mention yeah. it because it's kind of cool. <laughs> no, it, it is cool. And I think, you know, catcher has been slowly improving offensively. You know, this year, obviously, Adley Rutschman was second in the rookie of the year voting in the AL. There's uh, there's starting to be some some better hitting catchers popping up here and there. So, you know, the fact that Kirk was the best hitting catcher in the AL, uh, it does mean something. And, you know, He's such a big part of this Jays offense. Now that the offseason started and we're hearing Ross Atkins talking about diversifying the offense, Kirk is a hitter that is a lot more patient than a lot of hitters currently in the Jays lineup. He takes a lot of walks. He has long at-bats. Um, he had a great year offensively. And, you know, in terms of defense, he didn't hurt the team either. I think, you know, Josh would be able to speak to it better, but I think he's a good framer uh, and... He's just a all around, like you know, a just integral part of the the Jays twenty twenty two and and taking them to the playoffs. Yeah, I think anytime you are looking for a way to get your catcher DH at bats, it is the sign that you have something very very special, <laughs> yeah. and you should probably hang on to it. So, congratulations to Alejandro Kirk. Um, may he be captain for the entire five year mission. Um, now, someone who uh, there was there was always this sort of suspicion, I think, that one of the outfielders was going to go in a trade. Uh, did you see Teoscar Hernandez being that outfielder? And did you see it being for two pitchers 
that are, I guess, on the surface, unspectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. You know, it was one of those things. I think if you you thought about it a little bit, he did make the most sense. He's a year from free agency. Doesn't sound like there's been too much discussion of extending him. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't really think about it because Teoscar's been with the team longer than almost anybody. You know, he he was here before Vlad and Vo. Uh, he was really, you know, such a huge part of the Jays becoming a, a competitive team again. And uh, it was really sad to see him go. Um, you know, he's obviously insanely likable. Uh, he's got his sunflower seed baths and he's always smiling and you know, I don't know any of those guys, but it seems like everybody on that team really loved him too. So it was, it was really sad to see him go. I, I'm going to be disappointed that he's not on the Jays and I'm, I'm disappointed he's on a, the team that, that beat the Jays in, in the wild card round too. So it was disappointing, but at the same time, if you thought about who the Jays could trade, he did make the most sense because not only was he a year from free agency, he was probably going to make a lot more money uh, than, than Lourdes Gurriel in, in arbitration too. So he, he seemed like the odd man out, I guess, in, in that respect. So not I, I entirely think, unsurprising. I think, um, you know, on, in, in my head, he had, he had slid back offensively because he had a really rough start to the year. But when you look yeah. at his, his numbers relative to league, year over year, he really did not, did not change that much. His, his 2021 was a 131 OPS plus. His 2022 was a 127 OPS plus. But he is getting older. He's 30 years old this coming season. His on-base percentage was only 316 last year. His, um, his strikeouts are you know up again. He, he, he struck out four more times than in 2021 in 60 less plate appearances. Um, so I think... To get something for him, and we're going to talk about who that was in a sec, to get something for him uh, before he leaves free agency and not pay him, you know, $15 million next year to possibly slip back a bit, I I think, I, I do not think that the rage from a bunch of Blue Jays fans the day of the trade was justified. Acting like the Blue Jays aren't trying to compete because they, they traded Teoscar Hernandez is a really weird take in my mind. Right, and not to play psychiatrist here but it seems like that might be a little bit of conflating like your love of the player with his role on the team and and this isn't going to happen in a vacuum they're going to get somebody to replace him we'll talk about a couple of those people potentially in a second but he's he was just so kind of beloved I think around the team that it feels like it feels like it, it hurts more than his, you know, his 25 home runs. But to, to your point, Greg, he did have a 129 weighted runs created plus. So even with the extra strikeouts, the low on base percentage, the o- offense this, this year was just so far below what it was in, in 2021 that he was still a, a really productive player. Imagine if they hadn't kept changing the baseball, where, what conversation we'd be having. Oh yeah. Well, so let's <laughs> yeah, talk. Yeah. Let's talk about Eric Swanson, the major league pitcher that the Blue Jays got from Seattle. Um, now, the first thing that people piled on was this guy does not throw hard. He has a, if, I think, yeah. his, his fastball is in the fifty-second percentile. Yeah. But the the point of of getting a, a guy at the back end of the rotation is 
not a guy who throws hard. The point was to get mm-hmm. a guy who strikes people out. And I think people are m- misconflating. Like they're, they're, they're yeah. connecting the two and it's not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. I, I think generally there's a little bit of this mistaken idea right now that every team in the major leagues just has four guys that throw in the upper nineties with control, um, in the back end of their bullpen and they just developed them basically. And, you know, didn't have to pay anything for them. That's not true. You know, there's, there's certainly a lot of teams with excellent bullpens and the Seattle Mariners are definitely one of them, but there's not just a ton of like, High velocity, high strikeout, you know, low walk, low ERA relievers just sitting around to be, you know, yeah, but if you, out of a little five draft. If you take the word high velocity out of that and you look at Eric Swanson's yeah. last two years, 2021, 8.9 strikeouts per nine, 2.5 walks per nine, which is, is good but not fantastic, and 1.3 home runs per nine. Then in 2022, he got better. 11.7K per nine. 1.7 walks per nine and 0.5 home runs per nine. I know relievers are swingy, but he seems to know what he's doing. It's certainly a far cry from the 17 home runs and 58 innings he had back mm-hmm. in 2019. Um, yeah. But he strikes people out. He's done it for three years in a row. He limits walks. He's done it for three years in a row. And he's finally limiting home runs. If you don't have him, if you have him doing those three things, I don't really care if he's throwing, you know, 94 or 100. He needs to do those three things. He does. I think when we think about it, though, on the other side, and, you know, I've heard other people mention this, for a high-leverage reliever, he didn't get any run in the playoffs this year with Seattle. He didn't pitch against the Jays in the wild-card series. They literally went to George Kirby, a starter, before they went to Swanson, you know, in that second game. And... uh he didn't pitch against Houston either, I don't believe. For a guy that's being kind of branded as a high-leverage reliever, there are there are some concerns. He no doubt had an excellent year last year. I don't know that that makes him, you know, an 11K per nine strikeout guy just yet uh, because that was his, his high-water mark for his career. Right, but what's um, his career average? 9.7. Right, which is, which is <laughs> certainly not bad. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it's... Uh, it's by any means a a bad get. And, and like I said, th- this idea that there's just like, you know, Josh haters lying around to be developed or something, it doesn't make sense. And for all the people who are kind of clamoring that he doesn't throw hard enough, it's like Zach Pop throws hard and as of right now doesn't get strikeouts or that many strikeouts, right? Like he's like a, a seven guy. Um, you know, hopefully that changes, but... I think in general, there's just a lot of kind of misconceptions of what the Jays had an average bullpen this year. You know, it wasn't great. Um, but, you know, for everybody talking about how the Jays blew a huge lead in, in the wild card game, Seattle, who has an elite bullpen, Paul Seawald came in and got knocked around. A bunch of those Mariners relievers got hit pretty hard in the playoffs this year, too, right? So, um, yeah, like, you know, I looked, I was curious, so I looked it up earlier too. The Jays bullpen had a higher K percentage than the Rays. Not not K per nine, like K percentage. Like, right. I, I just think, could the bullpen be better? Absolutely. Is it 
the reason they didn't win this year, I don't, I have a hard time seeing that, you know, the Phillies bullpen wasn't great either. And they made the world series. Um, and another thing I was thinking about is the Jays have been, I think relatively healthy without this is anecdotal. So I haven't looked it up, but like last couple of seasons, they haven't had any relievers with like major arm injuries. You know, obviously guys have gone down, but Tim Mesa is the last one, I think who missed substantial time because of an arm injury. And I, I have no idea. This is just speculation. Con- conveniently but... deletes Kirby Yates from his memory. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Oh, oh, Phelps was out. Phelps, yeah. yeah, never mind. For a whole never season. mind. Yeah, no, yeah. they're not a healthy bullpen. The, the problem yeah. in 2021 was the health made them rely on guys who uh, did not have track records. But 2022, yeah. yeah, the health the health of the bullpen was not a problem. It was the swing and miss in the bullpen. Anyway, yeah, the other uh, pitcher is Mako um, Adam Mako. Adam is still in a ball. I don't. Uh, I will wait until Josh comes back to speculate on any guy in A-ball and whether or not he's he's going to become anything. I will tell you, uh, he walks a lot of people and strikes a lot of people out. Um, but that's true of a lot of guys in A-ball, <laughs> to be quite frank. Yeah, there's there's some raw material there. That's uh, That's what you can look for. But I think ultimately the reason the Jays made the trade was they wanted some some payroll room for, yeah. for 2023. And... And they got an Knowing asset that, of some yeah. kind for it. Yeah. Um, so probably as well as as well as they could expect to do. All right. Speaking of assets, there is uh, the matter of the forty man roster. Uh, the Rule Five Draft is is a, a situation where unprotected players can be snatched. From from the cradle of the team from whence they uh, once they were drafted in order to be moved on to uh, other teams at the major league level or there's also the minor league rule five and the, okay it's complicated but essentially you put guys in the forty man pardon my you know laymaning ter- laymaning it but uh, in order to make sure they do not get snatched away during the rule five draft uh, Jays added four players to the forty man roster at the end of the season to ensure that they stuck around. Aurelvis Martinez, a name which I believe we've bantered around a few times, Addison Barger, Barger, Spencer Horwitz, and uh, Josh's favorite, Yosver Zululeta. Yeah, so, I mean, Aurelvis Martinez is uh, the, you know, number two on the Jays prospect list. That's the reason we've mentioned him a bunch of times. Um, And he's even 75th on Baseball America's Top 100 Prospects. Did not have a great year. The Blue Jays are certainly not going to give up on him, I don't think, anytime soon. No, and they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, uh, Barger is a third baseman shortstop. Um, had a really good 2022. Number 13 on the Jays pipeline, MLB pipeline. Um, yeah, 308, 378, 555 across three levels, including Buffalo. Horwitz is number 12 on that pipeline list. He hit 275, 391, 452 between Buffalo and New Hampshire. He's a first baseman, uh, mo- mostly. Uh, and then Zululeta, uh, number five on that on the pipeline. Pitched in Dunedin, Vancouver, New Hampshire, and Buffalo, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> the whole um, tour. Struck out a lot of guys, relatively speaking. Um, ERA was not sparkling, 3.72. Um, 84 strikeouts in 55 innings. I believe Josh at one point was going, "Why just just go ahead and call him up? What 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 could 
what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, that may have been in a fit of frustration at something else. That uh, that lack of swing and miss. Yeah, I feel like of these players, we'll likely see him uh, the soonest in in the major leagues. Um, I don't know. Probably unlikely he breaks camp with the team, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him midway through 2023. I think I added an extra L to his name. Zulueta. Zulueta. Man, I need pronunciation Ooh. guides. Where's Josh? When... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, oh. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we will find out if the Blue Jays get anything interesting out of the Rule 5 draft. I, I don't believe it's coming up yet. I cannot remember the date. Yeah, that's the kind of prospect coverage you get when when Greg's <laughs> yeah. around. Ah, but but the non-tender candidates. Uh, I would like to introduce you first to the most obvious uh, candidate for non-tender ever. Last in the alphabet, first on the non-tender list, Bradley Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't see why you would need to give him a contract for what may have been the most fantastically horrible hitting performance I've seen from an outfielder. Jeez. Yeah, it, it, he struggled mightily at the plate. And, you know, this wasn't the first year he has struggled a lot. Um, you know, in terms of shoring up the defense, there's a lot of ways the Jays can go uh, in the offseason. So bringing, bringing Zimmer back to, uh, to shore it up just probably didn't make sense. Uh, which follows through with Rymel Tapia. <laughs> um, I don't know if you could say the Blue Jays won the Grandel Grichuk trade at this point. You know what? I don't think Grichuk had a particularly, a particularly strong year either. Um, and I no. think, I think part of Grichuk leaving was the front office trying to do by do right by him and and give him the opportunity to play. Um. And then actually, Ronald Tappy ended up getting a boatload of at bats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As as a fourth off outfielder often does um, when you have a, a, a thirty plus year old center fielder. Um, but yeah, according to Fangraphs, Grichuk was a negative win. He was a negative two WAR guy this year with an eighty eight weighted runs created plus. So Tapia was worth point three wins. And had a 91 weighted runs created plus. Wow. So, so you're telling me nobody won the trade. <laughs> rearranging deck chairs. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Uh, lastly, and pro- probably leastly, Vinny Capra, who um, was... He's back, was, Yeah, he's back on a minor league deal. So that's yeah. kind of a... I mean, that's what we, we I would have expected from Vinny Capra. I don't think anybody was going to try and put him on a major league roster. So yeah. um, that that concludes the housekeeping now we get to the no go ahead i was gonna say i'd be remiss if if i'm using that word properly uh greg loves tapia's chaotic energy i know he's mentioned that a few times before just kind of like the wildness not me oh sorry yeah josh josh (laughs) loves kind of like tapia's head first slides and going all out and i get what i get what he's saying tapia you know while being a a fairly like kind of average producer. He he is exciting and fun to watch because he he does kind of go no holes barred, which is uh, which is always entertaining, assuming it goes well. <laughs> yeah, mad, mad respect to your inside the park home run under the strangest circumstances ever. All right, let us sink our teeth into the into the deep 
um, prime rib of rumor. <laughs> um, so the big name today was Cody Bellinger. Uh, he of the, you know, people remember him being great. I think is why this is exciting a lot of people. He has not <laughs> been great lately. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> he hasn't. I think, though, that is pretty directly tied to his shoulder injury. Um, he's also only 27 years old, and he'll play half of next year at 27 too. I can see why people are excited about Bellinger, especially you know, in relation to some of the other potential outfield fits uh, for the team. Bellinger, even while he's, while he's struggling, is, is like an elite defensive outfielder. He's like one of the best by outs above average, you know, fan graphs, defensive metrics like him too. Like Bellinger's a great outfielder, even when he's not contributing at the plate. And, but to your point, he has not contributed at the plate. <laughs> yeah, uh, like he, yeah. He dragged himself up to like an 88 OPS plus or WRC plus last year. Like that was, that was a big improvement for him. That's not what you want. Like, I know the Blues is a bet on recovery players. I mean, Matt Chapman is a wonderful example. And, and clearly, you know, relative to league, Chapman got back almost to where he was in 2020, um, which is not, you know, 2019 Chapman, the guy you wanted. But, you know, it's respectably close. Um, yeah. But, yeah, horrible I don't know Chapman much... was never under league average, though, right? <laughs> this yeah. is the problem. I... I don't know how much to go into it now because there is you mentioned there's a question yeah. about about him. Um but yeah, so I, I, I'm happy to to keep talking about him. I, I think he had four seasons with a weighted runs created plus over one ten. Um he was a very, very good player, uh offensive player. And again, his defense is, has been great too. So if All this right. is injury related, um and there's a way he can he can kind of get beyond his shoulder injury, which I think the story is he heard it in the 2020 playoffs, or he he heard it in 2020 and aggravated in the playoffs, had surgery after the season, and he he hasn't been the but the, been the same. But like for reference, Bellinger's worst season before he hurt his shoulder. No, the year he hurt his shoulder was his worst offensive season to point as a 24 year old. And he hit 239, 333, 455. And that was in the, the short in 2020. Um, there is just, I think, a lot of potential for things to go very well if if the Jays do sign him. Because if he's healthy. If he's healthy. But even, yeah. if, even if he's not healthy, like if you get a guy who hits 20 home runs and plays elite center field defense with a 210 average, that's not... Like, how much difference is that between him and, like, prime Kevin Kiermeyer? All right. Let's talk about – we'll leave that until the question. Let's talk yeah. about the safer offensive bet uh, and the big defensive downgrade, presumably, mm -hmm. uh, is Brandon Nimmin. Yeah. He's the the big-ticket outfielder on, on the market this offseason. He's the one um, that's going to – you know, he's probably going to command a, a contract of over $100 million. And he's not without a lot of risk himself. You know, 
Nimmo has he's played six seasons, seven seasons. I think he's like averaged under 90 games a year. Um, you know, he yep. has not been able to stay on the field. And interestingly, he had this year he became like a good defensive center fielder by a bunch of the metrics, but he was not a good defensive outfielder by those same metrics for most of his career. Um I don't know enough about about how those those metrics evaluate defense to know if he has made adjustments and has, you know, has become better or is kind of like this is his best season or, or something like that. But um, he's also, you know, not that much, not that much younger than, than George Springer either. He's, know, a, he's a lot like George Springer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when He'll he's be, on the field, he hits like George Springer. It's <laughs> yeah. He gets to it a little bit different, differently. He's a lot more on base driven than then Springer has more power I think um but yeah mm. Nimmo Nimmo will be 30 uh when the season starts next year so I it seems strange to me that the solution to your Springer's 33 right will be 34 uh your guess is as good as mine without yeah. some serious typing yeah so to to replace your 33 turning 34 year old center fielder with one who's 30 Seems like you're only pushing the exact same problem a year or two down the down the road, and you'd be doing it with another likely hundred million dollar contract. So, um, the J Nimmo is definitely a good offensive player, but the you know how his how his defense ages and uh, how much he's going to be able to stay on the field, I think are are pretty big risks for for a team like the Jays that. Uh, already have a lot of big payroll commitments, and you so know, I, I, I think I can hear you um, saying if you're gonna go through all the trouble of signing a 30 year old center fielder to a big long term contract, that Jay should go get Aaron Judge. I think that's what I was hearing there between the lines. I could, you know what I, I, I just... think I think so. If if, if <laughs> you know what, if if money's no object, and really it shouldn't be, but you know, assuming they're playing in some type of payroll parameters where, you know, they're gatoring around the luxury tax on one side or the other, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay a bunch of guys with it's Manoa and Vlad and whoever else. I think if they're going to, if they're going to splash out big, it might be better to go with someone like, yeah, like judge or like one of the infielders that are just have more established records of being great and being able to stay on the field. Let's, let's talk about when you know signing other guys and trying to make a splash and everything. In your estimation, how many pieces do the Blue Jays need and where do they need them to make sure that this season at least has a shot at being better than 2022? I think with the trade of, of Teoscar, they definitely they need another hitter. You probably don't want to start the season with Merrifield and Biggio as your uh, right field platoon. Um, yep. So, so they're going to need another bat, and there's there's a lot of room in the in the kind of like the lower tier of the the pitching market that I think getting two two starters would be helpful or would be ideal, um, especially again the Jays. The Jays were pretty healthy this year, aside from Ryu. 
um, and Ross Stripling missing a little bit of time. So uh, to be clear, the Jays did not tender make Ross Stripling the qualifying offer. So I have egg all over yeah. my face here, but. Oh, well, not the same egg I'm trying to fry on the hot stove, but <laughs> they could resign Stripling. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they need a couple. They need a couple starters. Uh, they need to replace Tay Oscar. And yeah, they need the the bullpen's tough because like if you look at at who they've got right now, like they have a full complement of of pitchers. It's possible, you know, could they do better perhaps than than a couple of the the guys lower on the depth chart? Probably. Um, but as we've seen, like Edwin Diaz signed for a hundred million. Robert Suarez, who re-signed with San Diego, people spent a lot of how I forget how much he signed for, but it was not cheap. Montero got a lot of money. Uh, yeah, but the, from the first I've noticed in many years, the first couple of relievers to go on the market go for some ridiculous sum. Like Jonathan Papelbon signed for forty-five million way, yeah. way ago. And then by the time <laughs> February rolls around, it, people suddenly realize that, oh, there are a bunch of relievers out there, and actually they're all you know, none of them are fantastically great, mind-blowing relievers, but there mm-hmm. there are some top-tier guys who there's there's not enough chairs to go around because of you know prospects coming up and changes that have gone on and money that's already been spent elsewhere, which is the other problem, right? right? Yeah. Uh, sorry to be clear, were you asking for just like where they needed to fill spots yeah. or specific specific people? No, no, just where where, where you yeah. think? They, I mean, if you have an idea of how they should fill them, absolutely. So you, they need a hitter, a yeah, slash outfielder. And they need two starting pitchers. Maybe they need a bullpen. Okay, yeah. what does the infield look like to you is my question in, in in this hypothetical. Do they need an infielder? I think the only way they get an infielder, or to me the thing that would make sense, is only if they can get one of those elite guys like Correa or Bogarts uh, or Trey Turner. Um, they have an excellent starting infield as of right now. So it's probably going to be harder to upgrade there. Uh, well, I think it's pretty easy to upgrade if you move Boba Shett to second base. Right. Right. But <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's definitely easy. Expensive, but easy, <laughs> expensive, easy. You know, who knows how he feels about that? Um, whether or not that makes sense to us, you know, that, that might be something that that's playing on the, the minds of, of the front office too. So Yeah. If if you can do that and and you're comfortable, you know you're able to land one of those big guys and you're comfortable asking Bichette to move to second, that's an easy upgrade. Then they probably don't need an outfielder. Um, yeah, then they don't need an outfielder. I would say, but um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, Greg. Like, how do you, do you think they've got a they've got intentions on going after any of those those big shortstops? I mean, I can dream, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I just don't think the Jays have a $300 million contract in them right now. Not with, not, not that I don't think the Jays are willing to spend money in general, but because, uh, of the ARB eligibility path for Bobachet and Vlad Jr., which is clearly, you know, in lockstep with one another and also mm-hmm. going to get very expensive. Uh, and going to be two players, I don't see them trading, and I don't see them like I mean, I see them extending at least one of them at some point, and that will give them some cost certainty. Um, 
but that's a that's a problem with already like Springer and and uh, uh, on the, on the payroll. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I that's, wish they did. I really do, but I don't. I don't think they do. Yeah, and and to contextualize it, when I was when I was kind of you know looking at the downside of a guy like Brandon Nimmo, it's only a big downside if if the Jays are are playing in like a a world where they're they have a set budget and it's it's not 300 million or or whatever cuz yeah if 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 they decide they're going to spend whatever then sure add a contract like that but assuming they operate like they have been it's probably it probably makes more sense to to sign one of those other guys and to be to be fair again i'm not really criticizing the way the jays have operated at this point because you know between hinjin ryu and george springer uh, and the need, you know, repeatedly to go mm-hmm. out and, and get guys, they have got guys every time. Just not every guy has worked out the way they, you know, had perfectly. And they haven't complained that, oh, no, we're handcuffed because Hyunjin Ryu's contract is there, right? It's not like the olden yeah. days where you heard about, oh, well, this one, you know, BJ Ryan's $15 million eating that is just going to ruin next year's payroll. Well, that was BS yeah. then, and it would be a BS now. So, no, yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, uh, you know, breathe in, breathe out, do a little Zen meditation, and then we're going to come back with your questions right after this. And we're back. And I mean, happier than ever, really. I mean, what, what more could I say, right? Uh, <laughs> you know why I'm happy, Nick? Why are you happy? Because we get to answer questions from our listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? We do regularly break the rules about asking questions, but I feel like nobody's ever really barged in and said we couldn't do it the way (laughs) I usually do it. Um, Ivan Compres-Guzman at Ivan Comp... Preska says ideal offseason moves and how would the team look like? We kind of went through some of that. So what I'm going to say is what is your ideal, ideal single signing uh, for, of a free agent? Who would you just be like, give me, give me one guy and I will be happy and walk away from the table. Uh, and it's, it's pie in the sky. Like I can pick anyone on anyone who's a free agent. Anybody, anybody. Uh, and, and assuming it doesn't matter, like the Jays payroll constraints going forward, no. blah, blah, all that Jacob deGrom. Ooh, Ooh, right off the, right off the table. Now, would you sign deGrom to like a two year? Did you, you can do the Max Scherzer thing? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely not as old as Scherzer, so he's probably no. asking for a couple more years, I, um, but he's been really not a healthy boy. Like, so I can see why yeah. you give him, give him high average value. Uh, but maybe not commit to him for more than three. Like, I, I don't think anybody wants to commit to Jacob DeGrom for more than three if they can get away with it right now. Yeah, it's just when he's on, he's the best pitcher yep. in the world. And for it's, not, it's not close. Um, I, I, you know, I just, it would be so entertaining to see him. Uh, you know, you look at guys like, like Kershaw, you know, Kershaw has taken a step back from his prime, but he was, you know, he's still so good because that prime was just, you know, hall of fame, God tier. Mm-hmm. And I think 
DeGrom's like that. So if you if you sign DeGrom and you can get him to pitch 100 innings a year, it's probably still worth it uh, for the next three or four years. All right. My pick is Trey Turner. I, I think the combination of speed, defense, and hitting ability to slot in at shortstop, bump Obachet over to second. Sorry about that, buddy, uh, as we were discussing earlier. I think that would be... That'd be really nice. Real that would be really nice. And I don't care if it costs $300 million because this is a hypothetical. Um, I am not talking about trades on, on off-season moves because I don't even understand how trades work after they've happened. I'm like, really? Yeah. That, was, that was already? Okay, sure. <laughs> um, I will say this uh, about trades. I think I'm a little more gun-shy about trading a catcher than a lot of the, the people kind of talking about the team because <laughs> I don't think it was any any later than May of last season when we saw Taylor Henneman and, and Zach Collins. So if, if, if there's somehow a way that they can keep all three and, you know, not have Gabriel Moreno kind of like dying on the vine yeah. cause he's not playing, it would be, it, it sure would feel good to, to do it. And, you know, have some depth at a position where more than any other, your depth is going to be tested during the year. You remember there used to be guys who went like from third base to catcher as a as a dual position thing and back. Yeah, that was, those guys. Yeah. Give me one of yeah, those well, guys. Well, they were they were talking about. Well, oh, you know what? There is a guy that's. I know some people in in kind of Jays land want them to trade for that can do that in Dalton Varsho, who was a catcher and has been an outfielder for the the last year and a half or so. Um, so they do exist still. Um, but they're not all-star they, caliber like our current theoretical future crop of catchers. Yeah. yeah. Um, L. Uh, so Lasaurus at mastodon.lol. Rat emoji. Mouse emoji. Uh, <laughs> anyway, at Ellie Hart, because we all know that Twitter is just, just breathing its last breath here. Do you have any other places you recommend to follow the turf pod for these type of question requests or other communications in the entirely random chance that Twitter is no longer an option? <laughs> Just um, entirely random. Yeah, I am not. I am not opposed to leaving Twitter on principle at this point myself as a you know as an individual. Uh, I'm still kind of that's still kind of up in the air because um, everyone who I know yeah. thinks Elon Musk is doing uh, you know is is really doing something for the platform. I think is an idiot. So. Yeah, I've I've been quiet quitting Twitter for like a year, year and a year or two now. So, so it's uh, just just a matter of getting all the way out the door. So to answer yeah, your question, yeah. uh, L I believe is one of our patrons and has access to our Discord. There is an artificial turf wars Discord. I know you have to install something else on your phone, but it's fine. It's just it's just kind of a message board with voice chat availability, etc. So right now, as patron exclusive. I'm going to change some settings around. We're going to give us a, a public uh, section for all of you who might be listening to the show. We're going to make the um, the live chat section private for patrons, uh, and everybody can still gather there and have a chit-chat about the Blue Jays on our uh, artificial turf war server. And, of course, uh, at that point, we will put out a notification for questions in a, in a separate um, chat there. I should probably invite you, Nick, to the server... Because I don't Ooh, think you please you, and thank you. You you don't have a Discord link, do you? I do not. Look at that. I've just I've just I've really really given it to Nick here. Uh, you'll be special enough to be on the server one day, Nick. Soon. One day. Yes. Yeah. I gotta I gotta get my uh, 
what is it when the the players they get the enough time to to be in the union or their pension their pension oh yeah the, t- yeah, the tenure yeah. the tenure oh that yeah there's a golden ticket you you got to get after ten yeah um yeah. howie says it says underscore howie uh cody bellinger is rumored to be the next big signing what would be the good and bad of picking him up for the jays did we talk about the bad i mean i know i'm probably in the kind of minority here but like the downside is what he's done this last couple of years is like you know, he's like a one win player that's hits 200 with, you know, a 390 slugging percentage, 20 home runs and plays like great defense in center field. That that seems like that's the bad um, unless I'm missing something. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the downside. I, um, I think you might get into the Randall Grichuk situation where you pay. Like, I mean, I know Grichuk was like a five year thing, but where you're paying $10 million a year, let's say, to get very little. And you're right. kind of like, okay, now what do I do with this guy? Like, I, I guess I play him and hope he gets better for a bit. And then uh, when I cut bait, I'm eating, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to trade him. I'm, I'm eating this massive contract. It just all looks awkward. And it was like, well, why do, right. do we have, why do we do that? Exactly. <laughs> but I, I think for context, the, at least, you know, the rumor is he wants a one-year deal. Um, there are no bad kind of, one-year deals. Yeah. To, to reestablish himself. Um, and again, to me, the, the downside of, of a player like Bellinger, he's, you know, he's certainly going to cost less than Brandon Nimmo. A lot of the the players, the Jays, you know, are kind of tied to in trades. They are going to have to give up something significant, you know, off probably the major league roster to, to get one of like the Cardinals outfielders or Dalton Varsho. Bellinger, again, with, if he's a downside one win player for two, you know, a year and an option at, you know, $10 million or something. That seems to me like, less risky than signing Brandon Nemo or trading the guy who won the silver slugger for, for Dylan Carlson. Um, and the upside with, with Bellinger is huge. You know, it's, we saw that it's to me, it has like Marcus Simeon 2.0 written all over it. Like Bellinger's young. He's won an MVP. He's won a rookie of the year. He's had, he, there's still more seasons that Cody Bellinger has been a, an all-star level player than, there have been where he's been a, a bad player. And, and yeah, it seems you, like it's, it's the, the problem is you can literally point to the moment where he became a bad player. <laughs> right. It's, 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 you know, I guess it all hinges on like that shoulder. Can, yeah. Can, can they fix his shoulder? Is, is it healthy? I know with Michael Conforto, who's actually another guy that it's been linked to the Jays. It took him a while to, to recover from his, his shoulder operation. I, I feel like it was 2018, maybe twenty. But yeah, it took him a couple years to get all the way back. All right. Last question from Minor Leaguer at Minor underscore Leaguer. Has the Francisco Liriano Teoscar Hernandez swap been the best trade of the Atkins Shapiro era? Not area. Thoughts? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna be honest. Greg gave me a minute to uh, to do some combing, so <laughs> not I'm, off the top of my head. I'm not I'm not a mean. Co-host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um Travis Bergen for what turned out to be, you know, an AL Cy Young winner and, and Robbie Ray was a was a great trade. And I know 
Greg, there's you a caveat did... there. <laughs> oh, wait, he resigned. Yeah. But yeah, would, he, would, would he have known yeah. what the Blue Jays were like had he not come over in the season prior? Oh, yeah. He got a taste of that Pete Wad Walker uh, pitching coach magic, and uh, he knew this was the place for him. Um, yeah. Well, I, I know you didn't tell me. You, no, you I said didn't. you had one, too. Yes, what? I do. I have Ross Stripling traded to the Toronto Blue Ooh. Jays for Kendall Williams and Ryan Noda. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I found... I, I found a uh, the Ross Stripling trade may come back to haunt Ross Atkins uh, at a at a certain blog that shall remain nameless, which was pretty funny, um, <laughs> because they thought that Ryan Noda might be the real deal. Uh, well, it is the end of twenty two. Ryan Noda has not gotten out of Triple A yet, although he looks like a decent hitter. Um, and Kendall Williams was the other player in that deal who is still at Rancho Cucamonga, um, <laughs> which it might surprise you to find that the Dodgers is the Dodgers A affiliate. He has pitched in, in A plus, um, but he uh, he also has has had a rather unspectacular um, run. So they may come to regret Ryan Nota. But my question is, in terms of actual impact, where would the 2022 Blue Jays have been without Ross Stripling? Oh, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to call um, that a win, even if Ryan Nota tears up the league next year. I'm going to say that's that's my favorite trait because uh, Ross Tripling is one of my favorite players. Yeah, he he kept this season alive for the for the Jays. Absolutely. Called Was called it? and answered every time the bell rang. Who would have who would have filled that spot in the rotation? Like, no like Thomas man. Hatch? <laughs> would, would they have just had to run with Kikuchi all year and like uh, hope know. you figured it out? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, my friend, as we roll into the end of the podcast? Um, nothing crazy other than like I love I love all the rumors. I love all the kind of like discourse around it. When I when I wake up and I like make my tea in the morning, I put on MLB network and just let John Morosi work me into a, you know, freever over. He said this morning that the J he'd be surprised if they didn't get one of Nimmo or Bellinger. Um, I love it. It's, it's, it's a great way to kind of like keep engaged and excited about the Jays, even though, you know, they're not going to be playing a meaningful game for five more months. Uh, my thought is that the antiquated-looking uh, 2023 Hall of Fame ballot came out, uh, and it contains both R.A. Dickey and Mark Burley, if you would like a flashback to a a strange wow. time of Blue yeah. Jays history. If you, if you think you've been a fan for a long time, and Oof. you know those guys uh, are fresh in your memory, well, you're old, like me. Mm-hmm. And oh, with that... Boy. I'm going to say that uh, you were Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka, and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 252, and we'll talk at you probably very soon after they sign either Nimmo or Bellinger. Later! Later!